Hello and welcome to the Airbnb podcast, the Fan Buzz NBA podcast. I am your host, Bo Cherney. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Bornstein. Ben, how are you doing? Oh man, so great. So great. Especially if you're feeling feeling even better if you're a big Minnesota Timberwolves fan or Celtics fan today. Yes, we. I guess we got to sound the alarms, you know, fake alarm noise. Woo, woo, woo. Um, the Warriors have lost two out of three games. Um, at home. At home. They lost both games at home. They are now 69-9 and nine on the season, which obviously is still a ridiculous record. But now, from what's come as, you know, looking at a week ago, where it seemed like, oh, it's a sure thing that they'll break the Bulls' record. Yeah, it's just what's the number. for sure. Yeah. Now. Now, they might not get there. They might not beat it. They might tie it. They have. Which, okay, let's be real. Would it be so terrible if they tied it? It wouldn't be terrible if they missed it. I mean, who's going to care if they win the title at the end of the year? Right. But That's what it's all yeah. about. But, they, I mean, what seemed like a sure thing, it's not exactly a sure thing anymore. And they play the Spurs tonight. Golden State's at home. First game, I think it's the first game in NBA history between two teams that have 65 or more wins. I think you're right because the stat I saw the other day is the only other time at least recently, there were two teams with 65 wins total in an NBA season. Was 08-09, Lakers and Cavs, and of course they didn't play at the end of the regular season when they had that many wins. Right. They didn't play it at all in the playoffs either. So, what's what's up? They lost to the Celtics, which isn't a bad loss. That's yeah. That the Celtics are very good. The Celtics, the Celtics are Celtic, good. People do not give them enough love. The Celtics are good, and they match okay. up well with the Warriors. Um, we saw that earlier in the season when they played them a very, very tough game in Boston. I think I saw another stat. Boston is the only team to have played the Warriors tight in all of their games against them. They've they've kept the window, they've kept the margin of defeat, or um, or they've won. Yeah. So they've either won or they've kept the margin of defeat less than ten. Well, it helps that they only have two games. Right. But they did win one of those games. In Golden State, which is a big deal. Yeah, it's huge. But surprising, on Tuesday, Golden State lost a game at home to... Minnesota. The 26-52 and 52 Minnesota Timberwolves. And Minnesota has some talent, so I don't want to act like they're a terrible team. But for... That is not a team that should have beaten you at home. Right. That's completely... What happened, Ben? What happened? Oh, they had... They had so many turnovers. They they had almost 30 turnovers in that game. And it was, I don't know if a lot of it was the Timberwolves game plan or if it was just the Warriors throwing the ball away. It was it was a bizarre game. Steph Curry had two points in the first half off free throws. So he didn't even have a field goal in the first half. So that was, I mean, when you can keep Steph Curry to two points and a half, you're doing a pretty good job. And I think they were down either nine or ten points at that time still. But Minnesota did enough. They they made the Warriors screw up enough to give themselves a chance. And Andrew Wiggins played absolutely incredible down the stretch of that game. He, The Warriors let him do that patented little spin move he has. They let him do that almost every single time he touched the ball. It was amazing. I, even I said, oh, Andrew Wiggins has the ball. He's going to drive. He's either going to, you know, whichever way he drives, he's going to spin the other way into the paint, and he's going to get his layup. And he did that almost every single time. It was incredible. I mean, watching him play was awesome. And Shabazz Muhammad 
Are you kidding me? He had a career 35. high 35, right? Right. That what that, the, <laughs> the Warriors let Shabazz Muhammad. This was a man who everybody was down on because of his sleep apnea issues and his asthma issues and you know all kinds of weird stuff. And they said, "Oh, he doesn't work very hard." Blah 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 blah. You know, whatever. They there were all these kinds of issues with him, and he just put up 35 on the Warriors. And he was I don't even think he was averaging double digit scoring this year. And he got to the free throw line, this is Shabazz, seventeen times. Yes, seventeen. I think and he made what, fourteen or fifteen of those shots? Uh fifteen. Yeah. I mean he he wasn't just getting there he wasn't just getting hacked and missing shots. He was he was legit being aggressive and getting to the rim. Everybody was getting to the rim, really, if you think about it, that's what was partially successful for Minnesota. They're not a three point shooting team. Not by any means. No, and they're actually one of the worst in the league. They're not only the worst; they don't. They just also don't take them. Right. Which they is right. partially which plays is, into their bad at them, so they don't take them, which is somewhat. Smart, which is, but it's because the Spurs don't take a lot either. They're ranked in the bottom ten of amount taken, but they shoot a high percentage. Right. And in this game, they only took seventeen. They made eight, which is really good. But otherwise, attack the basket, get to the line. Um, they didn't. They, I mean, they had relatively normal amount of turnovers, but compared to the Warriors turning it over, God, twenty three times, twenty three, twenty four times. That yeah. might not include other stuff too, where they turned it over. Uh, gosh, I mean, it helps when you hold Steph Curry to seven for twenty five. And Iggy was back for this game. Granted, he was probably not in game shape quite yet because he had missed. I think he had missed double digit games. With an injury, I think it was an ankle sprain, so he may not have been he may not have quite had his breath or yeah his breath back, but I, you know that was a full for the most part that was a full squad that was a full Golden State squad at home, and Minnesota won. It took him an overtime, but they won. And you you know you can argue oh well Golden State lost the game okay fine Golden State lost the game but you know is that more of an indictment than Minnesota winning the game. What does this say about Minnesota? What do you think this says, this game says about Minnesota? They're well, they're clearly they're, not tanking. They're not. Right. They they don't want to yield for healed. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, technically, they could still get them, but they, yeah, they're still trying. I mean, they have these pieces. This is one thing you that might be something about this game. It might not just be a regular season game that oh they just won whatever. But we know they have talent. It's young talent. They're about they're, to. They they're about to have back-to-back rookie of the years. Right. I think the last time that happened was in the seventies when a team had back-to-back rookie of the years, or it was. was, I, it was when Bob Pettit played. It wasn't Orlando. No. Were Shaq and Penny not back-to-back? No. Anyways, um, it shows they ha- Minnesota. They have a lot of talent. It obviously it needs to be developed and fostered over the next couple of years. But showing that these guys at this level aren't phased by a 70-win team. Or Oracle, even. At Oracle, which is probably top five toughest place to play. There's a reason they call it the Roracle. (laughs) It's, God, I think it's, if you're a Minnesota fan, you have to be very optimistic. I mean. You have to be very encouraged at the very least. I mean, sure, it's only going to be a 20 Eight, you know, less than thirty-one season. But you look at the, you know, some of the games they've had this year. The talent that you have to be 
extremely happy. And they're going to add more talent looks, in the draft. Right. You have to be extremely happy where, with where it looks like it's going for them. And for yeah. the Celtics, they're, I mean, they're looking very good. They're looking, I mean, it wasn't just this game. It was the first game we talked about against yeah, them, I mean, too, they, where they, they played kept them it close. extremely tough. Yeah, and, I mean, it was funny because that one was at Boston's home, and then they win at Golden State's home. So, obviously, they learned a couple things from that game, and they took it with them to the West Coast. And for, I mean, sort of in the regular season, the Celtics have sort of, I mean, they've been good. Obviously, they're fourth in the East right now. And that, but they that sort whole of, area in the playoffs is, right. in the East is very up for grabs. Right. They've sort of had some spots in the year where they've sort of, you know, sort of tread water. But for them, this definitely looks like, okay, natural progression from last year. Yes, this you know, is, this is the better. progress you were hoping to see. You know, um, you know, some people were had insane projections for them, like 52 wins. They're not going to get there. Technically, no, that was well, that, I, I thought even at that time that yeah. was a ridiculous number. I, I said 45, I think, yeah. was a more realistic number. They're at 46 now. They're going to get to 48, 49, probably. It's just from, what, they were eight, the 8th eight seed last year? Yeah. The Celtics. Going from that to 4, it looks like you're going to get better. You're going to have money in the offseason. You're going to get a good draft pick. You're going to have the Brooklyn draft pick, which is going to be top 5. If you're, I mean, look at them, it's like, okay, it was one game in the regular season for them, but winning at home, and the first team to beat Golden State in Oracle this season is what that game was when they beat them. That means a lot for confidence going towards the playoffs, especially if you're going to get, you know, potentially, you know, that's them in Cleveland potentially in, you know, the conference finals or even them in Toronto in like the second round or something if that happens. You're going to have a lot of young guys with a ton of confidence because they know they can beat these teams because they already beat the best one when no one else could at that time. Right. So That's, Celtics are going to be very good. Watch out. Don't be surprised if they take a series from someone or even if they, at the very least, take a couple games from maybe Cleveland. I'd be shocked round. if they lost in the first round. Well, they shouldn't. I mean, they're going to be the four seed. They're playing the fives. I mean, well, even if I mean Miami and Charlotte are really good. Yeah, they've and, been you know, they could much still better. get Atlanta, and so, depending on what happens there. But even I mean, they they just seem like they scheme better. Part of that's Brad Stevens. Brad part of that's Stevens, being such a good coach. Part of that's being a you know sort of an awkward lineup for a yes. lot of teams to match up with. Yes, they they have times. I was I was following one of the guys I follow on Twitter last night was commenting. He was saying at one point they were running R.J. Hunter and Marcus Smart at the forward spots. I mean, just just some bizarre lineups they can use to really throw people off. And, you know, you, you put Olenek out there at center, and he's kind of a stretchy center, so you can really get creative with how you put everyone at your one through four positions. Yeah. And they have a—I mean, they don't have a superstar yet, I guess. And I guess, you know, the thought is they, they try to go for one in the playoffs. But, I mean, you're looking at this, it's like, you might not need one. You might just need another good piece. And you can sort of feel that, I don't. I mean, every team gets compared to the Pistons where they don't have that outright superstar. But they will actually be there because they'll be a top of the East team. And if they can keep that together, they'll have some consistency and they'll have some growth to do together and chemistry and all that. So it'll be interesting to see with them. But there you go. Where where they go? Back to the Warriors. What do you do? You, do you think they get the seventy three now? I do. It's at sixty nine and nine. I think for sure 
San Antonio takes one of those games. They have two more against San Antonio. San Antonio's taking one of them. I don't know which one, but they're going to take one of them. That's just going to be the reality of that. They So that game is tonight. And then they have Memphis. And then San Antonio again. And Memphis again. Oh, wow. They have Memphis twice and San Antonio twice. Neither of those games are... Or I shouldn't say neither because there's four games. But neither of those teams they play will be an easy out. Mm-hmm. Even... Even with Pop resting someone, if he's resting people during one of those games, I would imagine it's going to be the game that's at Oracle. Um, that would that's still not an easy out. They have their backups are still good. They the backups have won games for them this year on nights like that where they rest Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, even Kawhi Leonard at times. They'll rest those guys and say we're going to save you for later. So that's those are going to be tough. And then Memphis, I don't know how they're doing this, by the way. They have they have played the most players over the course of the season in NBA history. They've played, I think, they've had 28 guys on their roster over the course of the year, which is an insane number, And it's but it's also been a necessity because they, they've had so many injuries. They had Marcus Gasol, Zach Randolph at one point. I think Mike Conley was hurt at one point. Just just the worst kind of luck you can imagine when it comes to injuries. And so they still find ways to win against really good teams. So I think Memphis could definitely take one of those games as well. I mean, they have to win three out of their last four to get to 72. They have to go 4-0 to get to, to 73, 73 because that's math. <laughs> but... I, I don't see them getting 73. They can I see 71 or 72. I, I agree with that because they play the Spurs twice. and Once away, once at home. Yep. And, of course, the Spurs haven't lost at home yet this season either. They're 39-0 at home, I believe. Yeah, they own they own the record now for longest uh, wins at home to, I guess, technically start a season. I hate it when they say that because it's, you know, it's more than halfway through the season. But, you know, whatever. Right. But you're playing the Spurs twice. They're you're legitimate. They're legitimately your equal. Right now, they're they're only equal at the top. It's these two teams. And just projecting them to win both of those games, projecting the Warriors to win both those games, or the Spurs to win both those games, is absurd. You just have to go ahead and you know put in your mind. We'll see later tonight what happens in that game. But you have to just think in your mind. Okay, they're splitting those games right now. There's two on the schedule. You know. Whoever wins tonight, you don't just look the next day. That means, oh, that means the other team's winning the other game. It'll just still be a 50-50 toss-up at that point. Yeah, it's a coin flip, man. Right. But it's just going to be so hard to predict them to win the rest of their games. They have a tough schedule. I mean, out of virtue of playing the Spurs twice. So, and we just see that just because they're so easier on their schedule, it doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. It did it maybe earlier in the season, but... Losing two games at home, and of course the Celtics are good, but you know even going into that game, you wouldn't have expected that. Yeah, and the Minnesota game was really just inexcusable, right. for them. But you want to talk about a team that could get seventy three wins? How about a team that can get seventy three losses? Well, they can't anymore. Well, I mean, well, <laughs> when I had written this rundown, they had not won yet on Wednesday night, but the seventy sixers. Okay, so they won't get. 73 losses, but they probably end up with 72 losses. Yeah, they're 10 and 68 right now. Yeah. 
a firm. Let me do the math here real quick. Bad. It's bad. What is that? Sixty-one games behind the Warriors right now. Sixty-one games. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. Fifty-nine. Oh, sorry. 50, only fifty-nine. There's still time. Oh, jeez. Good God. <laughs> Sam, the GM just stepped down. Sam Hinkie just stepped down. And you have a feeling he, you know, it was it was that or it was going to be a messy firing. Yeah. Because they, they wanted him out. And that is a big shift for them because Hinky was the whole mastermind behind, you know, guy behind the, the, trust, you know, the trust the process, you know, excessive tanking, you, you know, just to ridiculous levels that we really haven't seen before. And, you know, American pro sports, I think I don't think you can just limit that to basketball. We really haven't seen this in, you know, pro sports. It was definitely an experiment when it started. And now three years have passed since it's I think full it blown tankage going on over here. They've they've the, the military needs to look into this because there's a lot of <laughs> there have been a lot of tanks. <laughs> but it hasn't it's been three years and you're expected I think a lot of people I mean there is some progress in there, I guess, but I think people expected when they started doing this at the start of the 23-13-2014 season that by the time this season came around, they wouldn't be worse than they were then. Yeah, record-wise anyway. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that may be like, oh, well, they're getting, you know, Embiid back and whatever. And it's like, well, they're still, that's not going to help. And whoever getting, they, getting this draft isn't going to help immediately. Dario Saric and Joel right. Embiid. Two high picks for them have not played a game. Have not played a game. That's what I think. That's not what ultimately did it did him in, but that's a big part of what did him in because he went out and he got. I think they drafted big man. It was two or three straight years. It was just you. You just can't do that. Right. They. I mean, you. They. Ish Smith was their point guard this year. Don't get me wrong. He's been playing really well, but. He's been playing really well for the 76ers for a just terrible team. And they didn't have him to start the season. Right. They grabbed yeah. him in the middle of the season. And, you know, you, you had plenty of guys on your summer league team or, you know, that you, you had signed, you could have signed from the D League and brought them up and said, okay, well, if we're going to be bad, let's at least give some, let's at least give a rookie or, you know, a, a younger guy, some experience. Let him play at an NBA level and see if see if he can pan out for us. I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It, it that was one of the things that puzzled me. But now, now that Hinky has stepped down, Brian Colangelo is expected to basically take his position, assume more responsibilities. I mean, was this really was this inevitable when they signed Brian Colangelo earlier in the season? Probably. I think it looked that way because even at the time, it wasn't just they're adding him to, you know, be an executive. It was clear at that time that Hinky was losing power within the organization. So this was sort of inevitable that they were going to butt heads. I mean, even if they weren't literally butting heads, but this someone was going to have to win out in this sort of situation. Yes. And, and it, was, it wasn't going to be Hinky. It just wasn't going to be Hinky. wasn't going to be the one that went out. Now... Would you say that this situation is somewhat comparable to what the Orlando Magic have done when they brought in Rob Hennigan and said, okay, we need to, they got rid of Dwight Howard. They had that trade that make, you know, initially everybody thought, oh, this is such a terrible trade for the Magic. Why are they doing this? 
And then a year or two later, they look like geniuses because they ended up with Vucevic and Tobias Harris. Granted, they let just traded Tobias Harris away, but when he was there, he looked good. And, you know, they have made tangible progress. That is a good point. And I think the progress is important because the rebuild for the Magic hasn't exactly gone the way they'd hoped either. They're, they're, yeah, they're still about a year behind where they thought they would be. They thought they'd be making the playoffs this year. They thought Oladipo would be going, you know, be a little further along than he is at this point. Um, probably you can say the same thing about Vucevic. They probably hoped for more from him in development. I mean, he's good, obviously. He's become a, a good player, but I think they wanted to see a little more strides from him. And I, I Maybe think, something on defense. Yeah, Vucevic. that side of the game. I, you know, Alfred Payton's done well. I mean, you look at their roster, it's like, I think we've even said this before. It's like, okay, we have these guys and they're doing okay, but we need we still need more from they them in development. They need to be good. They can't be just okay. They need to be good. Right. And I think that's that's why some people are so hung up on it because and I and I think Aaron Gordon would look even better if he hadn't gotten injured last year cuz uh-huh. he had that foot injury. So you really can't do anything with a foot injury. You know, you can you can practice shooting from a chair, but that's not really going to do anything for you. And or you doing can, like standstill shots, maybe. Right, and that's fine. But and he has improved his shot this year. He has looked much better. So I think that's something the Orlando Magic can be happy about. But you know, they the Magic have kind of tanked. They've made their draft picks. Is there? Is there something the league can do to discourage this kind of tanking from the 76ers and really from other teams that try and do stuff like this? They can. I don't think they should. Really? Yeah. And Why I've, not? I've been the proponent. If they decide they're going to suck, let them suck. And if it works out for them, you know what? Fine. You know, it worked out. It looks like it might be working out for Minnesota. Of course, Minnesota's also been terrible for 10 years. So they've had to do, you know, you know, start and stop this, you know, rebuilding a couple of times. Yes. Especially after, you know, after they parted ways with Kevin Love. They had to get Kevin Love in the first place, and that had been five years, you know, obviously they still had Garnett for part of it, but I think they hadn't made the playoffs the past couple of years they had Garnett when they finally f- parted ways with him. And looking at that, and it's like, okay, if a team decides they're going to suck, works out for them, fine. But if it doesn't, they're going to be the ones taking the financial hit and they're going to be the ones that have their heads rolling because of it because the fans aren't going to come out if you keep losing you know if fans will stick around for a couple years you know during this and if you can start rebuilding and get something you can look at the magic for this they'll start to come back eventually when you start winning but if you just keep losing that's going to put you in a rough spot and i think if you're the gm you have to realize that and i don't think you I think that is mostly going to prevent the sort of stuff what Hinky did. It's like, I'm just going to tank for like three straight years. Well, at the end of that three years, you're not going to look very good, and there's going to be very real financial pressures on you to perform eventually. And I think that itself is enough to get most general managers to be like, okay, we can tank, but at some point we have to make progress. Otherwise, we're not going to be making what we need to make and I'm going to be gone from this position and that's going to be a bad spot on my resume. Right. So I, I think that's enough pressure. I I know a lot of people out there that don't, I don't know where you stand. I mean, 
I'll give you, you know, wh- what do you think? I th- I think there should be not a financial penalty or anything like that. I think it should be something along the lines of if you have a top 10 pick for X amount of years, let's say if you have a, a top 10 pick for three straight years, you are absolutely not allowed to have another top 10 pick for the same three years. Something something along those lines, maybe. And I I don't know if anybody has read this, but Zach Lowe's wheel, mm-hmm. lottery wheel theory is a very good one. I think could be really fun. I think the, the basic gist of that was basically every team will be guaranteed a lottery pick once every five years. I think it was six. Once every six years. It was either five or six, but it went and it went in cycles. Like yeah, that. it was cycles so that every team... Every team gets a lottery pick at some point. And it was over a thirty it was a giant thirty year cycle where essentially every team picked in every spot over that cycle. Yes. And it was an interesting idea, but I, I wasn't I don't think that would be uh feasible for the NBA to implement. Yeah, I don't think the NBA has the long term sight to be and really have the patience to do that. Right, because once you do that, you know, expansion's been talked about. For the NBA, I don't know where they're at. I don't think they're currently have plans to expand within the next, I don't know, say five or ten years. But once you lock in 30, once you do that, you have to make some really interesting changes if you do decide to expand. And then teams... Because teams are going to be very upset if they, you know, got the wrong end of the, you know, first 10-year cycle or whatever. And, and teams, are going to, teams are going to play this... They're going to find a way to play the system, to game the system. That, you know, a team's going to say, okay, well, we're guaranteed this pick this year. You know, mm-hmm. maybe we don't need to be as good as we should be. And we get that pick and then get, you know, even more ridiculous talent and then get rid of guys who we don't need or bring in guys who could make us even better, knowing no matter what our record is, we get a top five pick or something. Or, I mean, it's not even that. You can, and it sort of goes with that because spending often goes with talent. If you know, okay, we're going to get the number two pick. Say I, I'm whatever team. We're going to get the number two pick two years from now. Okay, maybe we should clear the books the year before so when the year coincides and when we get that pick, we also have a lot of money to spend, and that's an attractive option. It's like, yeah, well, we ended up with this guy, and you know that means we're going to be good for the next probably three years. We have all this money. We can pay you, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, pay the They'll superstars. pitch it better than I just did. <laughs> I mean... That, and one thing that I've always brought up whenever these tanking debates and how the NBA should fix it, is you're always going to have bad teams. Yeah, that's just a reality. It's just a reality. I don't know if having, okay, well, the worst team had 23 wins, that's better than the worst team having 13 wins. Yeah. I don't know if you should be making wholesale changes to how you structure the league based on that. And I get some some people like, well, we don't want to reward losing. It's like, well, the NBA does. Yeah. I mean, the NBA and people, this is another, I'll go off on a quick tangent here. People look at the league while the league's 30 different businesses. No, it's not. You know, just because it's 30 teams doesn't mean they're competing businesses. They're competing teams. Yeah, they're all. It's all. Their goal is to try and make money for the NBA, right? The NBA wants to make money at the end of the day. 
the end of the day, that's why they do all this for TV contracts, and they did. They got the huge TV contract, which is good for them. But at the end of the day, that's what they're looking forward to. They're not looking, I mean, obviously entertainment being an entertaining product is part of that because that's how you make money. But they're not going to go so far as like, okay, we need to make the worst teams in the league more entertaining. Well, that's not going to do much for you anyways. <laughs> Just because, you know, you don't have a 15-win and a 13-win battling now. Now they're a 25-win and a 23-win team. That's not going to do much of a difference They're still on the not making line. the playoffs. Right. They're still not making the playoffs. It'll be seen long in advance that they're probably not making the playoffs. So at the end of the day, the NBA is... think about it, if your worst team has 23 wins, that means your best team has less wins. Because right. the bottom teams are winning more, too. So you have these top... these. Excuse me, these top seeds that have only 50 wins, maybe, or, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 55. Whereas, you know, this year has been incredibly exciting. You have two teams in the West that have over 60, have 65 wins or more. Even the Cavs have, I think, 55 plus wins. And, you know, the Celtics have an outside shot at 50 wins. Toronto has 52. And Atlanta, and Atlanta has an outside shot at 50 wins as well. So now you then if you have teams that are winning that much more, you have the discussion of parity. Right. And you have dominance with parity, right? Because even with the two teams with the Spurs and the Warriors, it's like people are like, holy cow, I've never seen anything like this before from both teams. And then they could still lose to the East. We don't know what happens. They probably won't, but they right. could. Yeah, they could. But back to my point is the NBA is one business, and it wants to see all 30 of its teams to be profitable. And personally, I think the best way to do that is like, okay, if you're not winning, we'll give you these opportunities to become a winning franchise. I don't think the NBA should be looking at it as like, okay, let's try to prevent you from being as terrible as possible. But by doing that, we might lock you into being that, you know, a 30-win team more often than you might be a, you know, a 15-win team, then a 25-win team, then a 35-win team, then a 50-win team. So that's my take on it. I don't. I mean, if people want to argue that, please do. I don't care. But <laughs> I think I have a point. You have a point. You know, all the other people that want to try to fix bad teams have a point. But that's that's where I am. Anyways, Boom. let's get away from tanking. Yes, please. Let's talk about actual playoff teams. Yeah. Hornets clinch the playoff spot. Yes. We have, you know, the playoff picture starting to shape up a little more in the East. The East is getting it's, really fun. The only top, the only teams that are guaranteed their seed are Cleveland and Toronto. Right. Now listen to this. Atlanta and Boston, both 46 and 32. Miami, 45 and 32. Charlotte, 45 and 33. Give us chaos. <laughs> Give me chaos, please. Charlotte, man, I want them to get four or five seed because that game would be so much fun and you still have the pacers there at 42 and 36 they're not shabby and the pistons are at 42 and 37 yeah sort of like the west used to be they're not this year but so check this charlotte has games against brooklyn i'm saying that's a win against washington that could be a win against boston okay that might be a loss and orlando wait charlotte plays boston Yes. I think the Hawks also play Boston. So all if Ooh. all those teams I think the Celtics play Miami too. 
I are all surprised. these teams playing each other to end the oh, season? Oh man, that'd be so awesome. We'll see. The Celtics have four games remaining, so they they're not playing all three of those teams. I think. Let me look. I mean, but if all these teams are playing each other, going down for a seed, and that's a, an important seed because if you can get to three, that definitely clears your way to getting to the conference finals easier than having to play the Cavs in round two. Yes. Or of course, you know, not even getting home court in round one because it's three through six. So let me bring up the Celtics schedule here. The Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics. Yeah. They have, yeah. They play Milwaukee oh, on Friday. Oh, man. Saturday at Atlanta, and then home games on Monday against Charlotte and next Wednesday against Miami. That's fantastic. This is this <laughs> that is, is amazing. This actually. is what playoff dreams are made of, people. <laughs> That's that wow. issue. Do like that'll be. F- I mean, who do you think gets just who do you think gets the three seed right now? All these teams are playing well too, so it's not like someone's was higher earlier and they're falling back. All these teams are sort of yeah, hit their stride yeah. at the same time. Oh man, they're all hitting their peak at the right time. It's so much fun to watch. Oh man, I do, I really don't know. Do, who holds the tiebreaker between Atlanta and Boston? Do you happen to know that, or is that game, or is that going to be decided with their last game? I think Boston holds the tiebreaker. I believe. Let's see, they won the first matchup, lost the second, one. or no, they don't. It will be decided in the third yeah. game. The Hawks have two wins over them so far. Oh wow! So. If Boston wins that game, that makes things very interesting. I think the Heat hold a tiebreaker over the Hawks. Wow. That might be. I know one of that these teams could, has a tiebreaker oh, over the Hawks man. for sure. This is the one season where tiebreakers actually matter. Yeah, that's going wow. that to suck to have to be the person to figure out. Yeah, I hate to be I mean, they probably guy. have a computer program that doesn't, but either way, it's gotta, it takes, you have to go past the first two steps probably on a, on a couple of those. Um, this would be this is oh man the ideal I think the ideal scenario for Charlotte is to play Miami in the first round though if Boston somehow slides to six and plays Atlanta in the first round I, or, or if Atlanta slides to six and Boston takes three whatever I have a pick for the three seed okay let me bring up their schedule here real quick so I'm not just talking out of my butt here um. Miami has five games left, and oh, they're... Yeah. They have more than everybody. I think everybody else we mentioned has four, Oh, correct? God, yeah, I'm picking Miami. Who do they have? Chicago at home. Oh, man. And then a home-and-home home against the Magic oh. at the Pistons. And they ha- they close the season at Boston, so that's difficult. But, but compare even so, that, they, they could realistically go 4-1 and one in that stretch. Compare that to Boston getting, you know, the Bucks, who can be a tough out, and then get, having to play, you know... Atlanta, Charlotte, and Miami, and then the Hawks have Toronto, who's given them, who's obviously good, but they they've been Atlanta's kryptonite for like the past two seasons now. Yeah, and then the Hawks have Boston and at Cleveland before oh, having at Washington wow. to close the season. Yeah, Miami's looking really good. Miami so is looking really good to take that three seed now. I'm picking the not Hawks to take the three nice. seed after reading that schedule. Nice. Oh man! Oh is... wow. That's insane. That would be, I mean, a huge deal for Miami because they've had to play a ton of the season without Bosch. I mean, it for a while it looked like they might not even make the playoffs, and now they have a chance to get the three. And then, that's that's gosh. a t- that's a team 
playing at a much higher level than it should, honestly. Yeah. Without Bosch, they should not be that good. And we'll see how, how what happens when it comes to playoffs when teams make, you know, yeah, in-series adjustments. Right, when you get game-planned against for seven games. Because yeah. I'm still iffy on them. And I saw this, an article earlier, I think it was on the SB Nation heat side. I, don't, can't, I can't quite remember, but I saw it. It's like, why Hassan Whiteside should be Defensive Player of the Year. And I laughed for like five straight minutes after that. <laughs> Which, right, so Whiteside leads the league in blocks. And Miami's actually been a decent defense this year. They're like eighth in defensive rating, which is good. Which is where, you know, your defensive player of the year usually comes from, I'll say, it should be coming from your top ten in defensive rating. You know, for teams. You shouldn't be getting, you shouldn't be defensive player of the year if your team sucks on defense. But looking at the stats, it's like, but he's not the one really responsible for it. You had Bosch for a lot, you know, for part of the season, you know, playing phenomenal defense. You've had Justice, Justice Winslow being phenomenal on defense. You have Luol Deng still being good on defense and all that. And, you know, I look at Whiteside's numbers, like, they're better on defense with him off the floor than on it. That is a red flag for me. Especially when you start talking about awards based around defense. Yeah. Which also it should just be Draymond Green and that should pretty much, or, or someone on the Spurs and that should be the end of that argument <laughs> name Spurs player <laughs> or Paul Millsap boom there's his the there's, Hawks are second in defense there you go which Either matchup way. do we want to see the most though in that first round east in any round of the east oh in any round of the east. Oh, who do um, we who basically who do you want to see try and beat the Cavs <laughs> I think from you know from an unbiased perspective I think Celtics and Cavs would probably be the best series. That'd be exciting. I like that. It would series. also have the storylines with it since they're, you know, you have the Boston market obviously getting into it. I'm not sure. I'm still unsure on the Raptors, just from what I saw but last skinny year. Skinny Kyle Lowry. Ky- yeah, Skinny <laughs> Kyle Lowry. I will always give Skinny Kyle Lowry a shout out. That's my boy now. <laughs> He's fantastic. He's great. Yeah. But I, I mean, I just don't. I mean, I don't know about them, and I don't know about... I mean, they, they can be entertaining, so that's not the issue. It's just if I, I'm looking for someone to push the Cavs to seven in the conference finals, I'm picking Brad Stevens over Dwayne Casey. Yeah, Brad Stevens, the man. You know, the Hawks could be a good series, but, I mean, we saw what happened last year. I mean, I know obviously that series was injuries galore for both sides, so it would be a completely yeah. different series, but obviously... I mean, they've played good games in the regular season this year. It might be something. I just look at Cavs Celtics as being the be- the most potential in the East for being the best series. And that could be the best series for the entire playoffs if that happens. Yes, because whoever comes out of that might not be in shape to suddenly take on the Spurs or Warriors and then lose four one in the finals. Make it your so. thoughts. Oh, in the East, man, the East is so fun. It's gonna be so fun. I want to see Toronto and Boston go at it. That would be awesome. Explain. I I think the guard matchups with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry and Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart and Evan Turner could be super fun to watch. And because Toronto doesn't have any 
Toronto and Boston don't really have any big men that they can go to for scoring, mm-hmm. but they they have decent defensive big men, and I think that could be a fun battle on the boards to watch. I'd really love to see that matchup. Hmm. All right, I can buy it. I can buy Kyle. Like I said, from an entertaining prospect, I can find the Raptors entertaining. Yes, I believe they can put on an entertaining series. I just don't know if they can win. If they can win. And, you know, which some people say, well, what if they put on like four or five entertaining games in a series? Yeah, but for part of it, you need to be able to, you know, for an, when you call it the best series of the playoffs, usually you need some drama there. And putting on a fantastic game five that decides the series isn't going to have the drama of a game six or game seven. So that's yeah. just my thoughts on that. Moving away, let's go to the West for a minute. Talk about the West playoff race. Still don't get the West playoff race. <laughs> no. Two teams. But no, maybe not. Either way. So we can both agree that it's going to be Golden State and San Antonio in the WCF, right? In the Western Conference Finals? Yeah. Okay. Who ha- I guess the question to ask is who has the most potential to make it not that? Oh, which is to upset either team in any round. Who has the potential I, to get I there? I feel like the 3, 4, or 5 seed could do it. Portland's been playing really well. They just upset OKC. I think it was Wednesday night. They look really good. Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum can get off at any point. They have awesome bench players like Mo Harkless, who also is a threat at any given point. OKC is obviously very good. You're, you're, it's, hard to be, it's hard to be a bad team when you have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook on your team. And then the Clippers, I think the Clippers might have issues. Might? Well, uh, come playoff time, (laughs) they definitely have issues. Um, Clippers are getting Blake Griffin back. He has told us that he's playing on a torn left quad muscle. He is playing through it. That, That is not good. At the very least, it is uncomfortable. You want to know what my thoughts are on that, Or? Yes, please. That's dumb. Okay. That is dumb. That was going to be my next question. Okay. So I was going to ask, should we applaud him for playing through the pain, or should we scold him for kind of being a moron and saying you could really hurt yourself? I kind of, you know, applaud him for wanting to try at least. But at the same time, from an organization, you're dumb for letting him do it. Yeah. You can, you're the, you're the team. You can, you can be, no, you're not doing, you're not playing, you're, you're not clear yeah, to play. Hey. Hey, you're Clippers, you're allowed to say no. Yeah, you're going to get hurt again. It's going to get worse. We're going to have this problem next year. And it's gonna get- the, hit, the quad was lingering ever since he got injured in the Christmas Day game. Right. And, it, and he basically said, okay, well, we're not doing something right. That's why it still hurts. We, haven't, we didn't do the right rehab or we didn't, you know, it hasn't healed properly. So now... So now it's it's torn apparently, and he they're not going to get surgery, or they're not going to properly wait for it to heal, which is absolutely ridiculous, especially considering the Clippers have actually played well without him. Yeah, I that's think, part of the reason I'd set him out. Right, I think if the Clippers had been struggling and they were maybe clinging for a playoff spot, I'd say okay, we need to we need to play and we need to get that playoff spot. But they're they're not. They're fine. They're fourth. They have fifty wins this year. They're probably going to be locked into the fourth seed. They, there's there's just no reason to injure your future, right? And I, I'm completely agree with you. It's not worth it. 
you're probably not going to win this year. You're not going to win the title. Yeah, there's two teams that are going to win the title, and you're not one of them. And, well, maybe three, but that's not the point. <laughs> the point is, is you're not going to win the title, and obviously you want to, you you know, for as a player, you, ha- you have to have the confidence to come back, okay, we can win the title, that's fine. But if you're the organization, you have to start, you have to look at these risks. You have to be realistic. You have to be, and you have to be realistic, and you have to be like, okay, him coming back might be good, but it might also not, it might hurt us, actually. You know, not just when he's actually playing, we might not be as good as we've been without him the past couple of months. And he could hurt himself. Worse. Which would, which and then would, he's going to miss part of next season. Right, which would be even worse. So, if you're the Clippers, I think you have to, you know, take the hit here, try without him. You know, sort of, you know, whoever has the power, maybe Doc. I guess Doc would have the power in this situation. I don't. I think he's two buddy buddies with him, though. I don't think he's. He I might don't be. think he's going to have the stones to say, you know what? We have to shut you down. I don't think he's going to be able. He's not going to be able to say it. Yeah, but he has the authority and he has the voice to say it if he wanted to. That's the problem. To say, you're done. I don't think he will say it. Though. He probably that, won't because I guess I guess he hasn't because they're going right. to let him do it. They're, they're still allowing this to happen. So, but it's going to hurt him. Yeah, I, you know, I don't. This season I don't. And next season. I mean, they they could realistically even lose in the first round to Portland very easily. Yeah, that could Portland's very good. That could be a surprising series for some people. That's I don't I don't see any way that ending well. They're not gonna they're not gonna win the if. Listen, they're gonna lose the battle on the court, and they're gonna lose the PR battle. Yeah, those are just two battles you can't lose. If this, I'm trying to think of a situation where this would work listen like, if you had set if you had sat him out and just said listen we're shutting him down sure you'll probably lose the first round of the playoffs or you'll lose in the second round against golden state but you have a built-in excuse though and you can say well blake griffin was hurt all year and frankly golden state was just a ridiculous team that was one of the greatest regular season teams in, in nba history just you have all the odds against you don't don't try and make it worse. Just ex- at some point, you have to you have to say, okay, we're going to accept this, and uh, we're basically going to call it a season. But you know, it was a great season. Good job, everybody. Enjoy your off season. Yeah, get better. I agree. And if you're JJ Redick, maybe get more arm sleeves. <laughs> yeah, you can't let this. You come on, Clippers. You can't stop. Stop it. Stop it. That's that's not going to end well. That's going to be that could. Be extremely disappointing. Um, looking at the West, I mean, like you said, they could lose in the first round. And you know what? If it ends up with them in Portland, I think Portland would be favored. Portland might be favored. I would pick Portland at least. I like Portland a lot. So, anyways, that's. I just want to see Utah get in the playoffs, though. I think that team needs that playoff experience, even if it is going to be a blowout. Right, they need that progression. We talked about and, it earlier from getting to the playoffs eventually, yeah. and then I've said this already, but yeah. who doesn't want to see Rudy Gobert in the playoffs? Come on, that man is awesome. I don't care what anyone says. Thoughts on the new Hall of Fame class? We really, had really uh, strong class. Strong class. You have Shaquille O'Neal in, Allen Iverson. Um, joined with Yao Ming, Cheryl Swoops, Jerry Reinsdorf, which I thought was weird, and Tom Izzo. Well, Jerry for, Reinsdorf has owned the Chicago Bulls how long now? Almost thirty years. Right. I mean, it's I mean it's the basketball Hall of Fame. It's not the NBA right. Hall of Fame. So it's just right. all around basketball. Of course, that's how Izzo gets in. But and Cheryl Swoops, obviously. But 
Either way, strong class. Yeah, and that's that doesn't include everyone. There are a couple coaches in there that you know younger people probably have never heard of. Um, I I had to I had to look them up actually when I saw that list. I said, oh, I don't recognize these names. So I'll look them up. And I said, oh, okay, well, they, they definitely deserve to be in. Um, but Shaq was able to get in because they actually changed the rule this year that usually you have to wait five years after retirement, but they made it four. And also, what do we think about, I mean, Shaq obviously deserves to be in. AI obviously deserves to be in. What do we think about Yao Ming? He was a surefire Hall of Famer. Really? Just for his impact on the game. Well, I think of. that's how he's going in. He's not right. going in as a player. He's going in as a contributor. To well, he still game. had a hell of a career when he actually got to play, too. Well, but that was the problem, obviously. Um, yeah. He always but, had those feet issues. Right. But either way, you look at it from a Hall of Fame perspective, and this is for any sport, whenever you have your Hall of Fame induction, you usually want that like one star at least because you're not going to get a star every year a lot of years. Of course, this being a basketball Hall of Fame and not like league specific helps them. But now you're get you got Shaq, AI, Yao, who has you know extraordinary reach in what he's done for the game in terms of right. and that's why he got helping in, open the he, Chinese market. He basically, right, I was gonna say he basically brought the Chinese market into the NBA. And you look at it and you see Houston still does you know that these you know they, they do, still do the Chinese uh, the Chinese Heritage and, Night yeah right and they have. Um, the advertisements, they made it big, really, over there. Of course, they had T-Mac at the same time, so he was extremely popular over there as well. It's not just Yao. Right. But that team has specifically became extremely popular. I mean, and then you have Cheryl Swoops. I mean, mo- that's, she's a household name. Yes, Even if people absolutely. don't watch the WNBA, most know people who know they, who Cheryl Swoops is. They know who she is. So, strong class. I'm a fan. I might actually watch it. The induction. September, y'all. September. Oh, his speech is going to be amazing. Also, if AI does not reference practice at least once in his speech, I will be disappointed. All right. We're running low on time here. So let's go to – I have a couple of Twitter questions. All righty. What you got? One question here. We already started talk- We started talking about this a little bit earlier. How does the weather change for Golden State if they drop two against San Antonio? So if they drop both games. Seems like they're tilting only regular season, but it has some meaning. If they drop both games to the Spurs, uh, that's, that's uh, like I said, it's just the regular season. But it would mean a lot, I think. Especially because, A, that would eliminate them by itself from getting to 72 wins, so they wouldn't even tie the Bulls at that point. But also, that means the Spurs would probably get to 70 wins on the year. And that's significant. You have two 70-win teams? <laughs> yes. So, what do you think? Is that bad news for Golden State if they lose both games, or is it just nothing? We've heard Draymond it, Green refer to the regular season as boring. So Draymond Green says things like this because he doesn't. he gets salty when he loses, which is ridiculous. You've lost nine times this year. You really can't be that mad. But... It's, I it it's you know like you said it's regular season it doesn't really matter that much they pretty much have the first the one seed locked up. In order, the Spurs would have to, if Golden State lost one game, the Spurs would have to go I think four and one to finish the season. But if they lose, 
But if they win that game, if the yeah, if they win that game, I don't think the Spurs can take the one seed. There's a scenario where the Spurs can take the one seed, but it's highly unlikely. So I think losing one or both of those game both of those games would really put the Warriors in a bad place to start in the playoffs. To kind of have this sour taste in their mouth. They they can so the the you know, they'll probably respond one of two ways. They'll either say Man, this sucks. This is terrible. I can't. I hate this. This this blows, man. <laughs> and they'll kind of come out flat, or they'll say some, or they'll come out and say, "Okay, you know what? We're not going to let anybody beat us in the playoffs. We're going to destroy everybody. Let's go." And they're going to just have, and they're going to go on some sort of crazy tear through the playoffs. I think that's what's the most likely scenario here i think for golden state is they split one with the spurs no one cares they go in the playoffs and they tear up until they meet the spurs in the western conference finals but if they lose both games i think i can't remember who you said they play memphis and someone else too correct both memphis and san antonio last four games are between those two teams oh, okay i don't see memphis could get them for one i guess maybe i don't see it They've been finding ways to grit and grind through teams, man. Right, and they they've stayed in the five spot this whole time. You you said like all of the injury issues they yeah. had earlier. Let's say they do. Let's imagine a scenario because it's possible they do drop two or three games, and you're looking at the end of the season. They drop like what would it be like five of eight? At the end of the season, Something five like of seven. That. Yeah, that's not that's not ideal. not optimistic. Especially since they're trying still. It's not like they're sitting. Uh, of course, they might sit. I don't know. But they're yeah. still trying. I mean, they wouldn't lose in the first. They, they wouldn't lose in the first round. I still don't even see them losing in the second round. But it's not how you want to end this, the regular season going into the playoffs. And losing two to the Spurs plays a lot into that. I don't know if you want to. I mean, we've seen regular seasons mean little in terms of season series against teams once the two teams meet in the playoffs. But for these two teams to be at the level they are, I think if you drop, which would be three in a row to the Spurs at that point, yeah, it would be extremely concerning. Considering they have, you know, they haven't given you everything they have. Yeah, they've definitely got some secrets tucked away. So that's what I think on that. I have one more question, just because I want to make a point here from Jalen Muhammad on Twitter. Who's better, Al Horford or Hassan Whiteside? Al Horford, every day in the week, twice on Sunday. Thrice on Saturday. Sure. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Hassan Whiteside has not earned the respect that Al Horford has. Uh, I just think, sure, he's a defensive monster, Hassan Whiteside, but he's, it was a funny stat I saw at one point in the season there were three or four lineups with him in it that were actually negative net rating. Net rating? Not even, like, overall for his white side? I believe so, yes. When he was on the floor, the Heat lost points. And that goes with what I said, where still for overall for the season, the Heat rate better on defense with him off the floor. And it's barely, it's like half a point now. Earlier in the season, it was actually significant. It was much more negligible than that. Yes. It was less negligible. Or less, yeah, you know what I meant. But it's still half a point. You look, I mean, Horford actually hasn't expanded, can do things on offense besides just catch lobs and get rebounds. Yeah. 
So yeah, and he's probably a better overall defensive player. Actually, I'd say at this point he is. The Hawks are second in defense for a reason, and it's not just Paul Millsap. And no offense, I know it's not Jeff Teague. <laughs> sorry, Jeff Teague. Anyways, Ben, final, sorry. final thoughts. Super excited for the playoffs. Cannot wait. I'm also getting excited for the NBA draft. We've got some weird stuff going on. If you never heard of Thon Maker, look him up. He's got a fun story now. He may go in the lottery, so... Yeah, he declared for the draft. Declared for the draft. Have to people have to decide if uh, the NBA has to decide if he's actually eligible. So you'll, you, if you read the story, you'll uh, find out what that means. You can find that story on FanBuzz. Yeah, that's FanBuzz.Rare.us. Check out our NBA page. You can see that story. You will also be able to see. Obviously, you're already listening, but you'll be able to see this podcast on that page. And we thank you for listening for this podcast. If you made it this far. And we'll see you again next week.